The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me today is fellow certified financial planner, Mr. Tony Payne. Tony, how are you today? It's another great day for financial planning. It's fun. Yeah, right? Did you have a good fourth? I did. It was so much fun. We went out to the lake. We saw fireworks at the lake. We had a great time. A friend got married. There was a lot of good, fun stuff going on. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. And I celebrated my anniversary. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. Two years now. You were your original wedding date. Was it the same July 4th. But you, but originally. July 4th. It is officially July 4th. Yes. Officially. Yes. Wonderful. Congratulations. We celebrate with America. Right. Thank you. Yes. Thank and, you. and you had it at a special place. Yeah, we sure did. We Where, sure we did. We got married at the sign in Las Vegas. <laughs> it was uh, one of those COVID weddings where we said, we're doing it anyway. So we hit the you plane. You pulled a contingency and, yeah, plan. Yeah, we and... pulled it out there. <laughs> right. We had a great anniversary party a year later with everybody, and that was fun. But yeah, it was, it was wonderful. How about your fourth, Stephen? Fourth was fantastic. Lots of sunshine, lots of heat, lots of uh, eating barbecue, and a little bit of pool time. And it was it was good stuff. These are the things we work for. I mean, yes. that's why we're so so happy to be able to do what we do and plan ahead so that when those good times are here, we can really enjoy them. Yeah. And I think, believe later in the show, we are going to reference a revolutionary figure uh, in our nation's history, uh, but it's tied to this show a little Most bit. Most definitely. Yeah, so Most stay, definitely. stay tuned for that. So, uh, But today's show, we're going to dedicate to Social Security. So we'll talk a little bit about Social Security, how that applies to your financial plan. But first, always, we, we like to reference current times. Uh, currently, we are turbulent with the investing markets. We are turbulent turbulent in the, with the economy, inflation. We've talked a lot about inflation. But you, you brought up an interesting point uh, regarding investing and people's fear of investing during turbulence with the stock market. Right. So John said, we're a little bit turbulence here and yeah. get through it. Right. Right. You get through the, the flight. So right now, your your portfolio, all the listeners out there, including my portfolio and your portfolio, Indeed. suffering some turbulence right now. But you, you brought up a good point about missing the 10 best days of investing. Why is that important or why? Why do we want to talk about that? Yeah, well, we know it when we talk just for concept for a moment, what happens in the market across months sometimes comes back in a matter of days or even a day. So the idea is if we're long-term investors, we don't want to miss some of those best days. Um, May I ask you, Stephen, before you looked at this, if you were to guess for the Dow, for the best one day in the history of the Dow as a percentage, what do you think that would have been? What would you have guessed? Okay, so when you asked me that, I didn't know. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. So if I had to guess and knowing what I probably would have said around 8 to 10%. Okay. Okay. Right? And and 
I was surprised that I wasn't even close. When it comes to investing, I wasn't close, right? Right. It was most, most interesting, and it was one of the worst times for the market, 1933. There had been a run on banks. FDR had even shut down the market, shut down the banks. Yeah. So you can't even come get money out because there was such a run on them. That's how poor it looked. And the day after they opened the banks, the stock market popped 15.3%. 15% in one day. If you were an investor over the long term, that's a meaningful day. And you think about it, like you said, that was one of the worst, during the worst economic times of our country, and people were skittish. Obviously, a lot of people were broke because they lost most of their money, if not all of it, in the stock market. Uh, there, there's a great documentary I, I watch frequently just because I'm so fascinated yeah, by it. But most people them. don't know why the stock market crashed in 1929. And why so many people lost everything is because the people who were investing, they were investing on margin. Lots of leverage. Lots of leverage. It was new. Margin was new. uh, And they learned quickly what a margin call was. So people were broke, right? So this was during one of the most dire moments of our country's uh, history. And people got a 15% return on on their portfolios. It's amazing. And when you look through some of these other days, the 10 best days in the market, for the Dow at least, when you look, some of these top ones are all during the Great Depression, and there's some that are 12%, 11%. I mean, these are meaningful amounts, and it's not all that far ago that these things happened. I mean, let's go back to 19... Modern times. Yeah, go ahead. I was shocked by the modern times because it was in my professional history of of being a financial planner. I didn't even realize it was... Uh, October 13th of 2008. After market. Lehman Brothers, after all after, the housing right, collapse, right. what terrible times they right. were. And it, it happened after they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to support the banking system, right? Uh, the government said, we're going to support the banks, and the market popped 11.1% one day. One day. It's amazing. And then what happened two weeks later? <laughs> right, two right. weeks two, later on this very list, out of the later. 10 best days in the history of the Dow, just two weeks later, there was another event, Stephen. Yeah. Um, I did, what was the reason behind it? It was just basically investors. Right. It coming, was just investors, investors feeling saying, better. T- yeah, feeling good and saying time to invest, and it popped 10.9%. Two weeks later. Two weeks. So that's I mean, over 20% in a two-week window. Right. And if you think about it, again, a rational person may have said, I want to get out of this. It's been on a downslide. Let me just wait and see it go down a little further. And maybe I'll get in when I feel a little better. If you just miss those couple of days there, I mean, that's 20%, like you said, Stephen. That's hard to recover when you feel better. And then if it goes back down again, you're whipsawing. I mean, that's the point we're trying to get across, I think, is right when it seems the worst, some of these best days happen. Yeah. And that's and obviously that would be ideally in hindsight, with hindsight, that's the best day to be investing. So if you have extra cash, um, so so I guess the, the, you know, the message we're trying to say is don't don't sell out. Don't sell and cash out your portfolio. Why Why are you investing? It is for the long term. It is for retirement. We're going to have to ride this out, but this is a great opportunity to be investing. Did you notice another theme in these days, Stephen? You know, when the market seemed to pop, was there something else going on too or a pattern you noticed? Just curious. Uh, the only thing I noticed was uh, policy possibly. Yes, that's exactly, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, there's... 
uh, dare I say, fools in Washington get together and come up with something on a weekend. And if that's <laughs> something's exciting to the market, it may not be good long term. Right. It may not be something healthy for economics. But if markets see a profit opportunity in the near term, they're going to pop. They're going to take advantage. Yeah. So some of these things weren't necessarily for a real cause. Some of them were government intervention. Yeah. Very and interesting. The other one I, I found interesting was the because uh, I remember it, and this was back to when I was in high school and I was taking a stock market class. Oh, yeah. A class on investing in the stock Excellent. market uh, was October 21st, 1987. And that was a big pop, another 10% day. Two days after yeah. Black Monday. Yeah. Uh, for those who aren't remembering it, Black Monday, it was down 22%. We had a pop back of almost 10 two days later. Half of that, almost half of that came back. Again, we try not to time the market, and these are just examples of why. Yeah. And, but, but again, right? The, even the top 10, uh, the lowest of the top 10 is 9.4% recovery. <laughs> what would that be today, Steve? Let's just use around 10%. Let's say the Dow's at 30,000, right. a 10% Three, pop. 3%, $3,000. 3,000 points, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. oh my. I yeah. mean, think about that. So I know we're coming up on a break here, but that's the kind of thing we have to keep in the back of our head as much as this negativity comes in here. Yeah, and, and the irony is you... You know, I've had many conversations to last two or three years where when everything is good, you can tell everybody it's there's going to be bad days. There's going to be it's, it's going to happen at some point. We don't know when, but it will happen. And everyone feels, yeah, no problem. We'll get through it. But when you're in the middle of the storm, it tests your mettle, right? You really have it feels to feel different. Yeah, you have to have that conviction. It feels different. You're seeing the statements go down. You're the number shrink. Uh, so just just wait it out. Be methodical with your investing. The 401k, 403b is your best uh, tool for long-term investing, and we'll go that route. But we're coming up on a break. When we come back, we're going to talk Social Security. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Tony Payne and I are talking financial planning and today's show we're going to dedicate to the social security program but before we get into that uh just some news that i found rather interesting uh it really centers around the target-based funds uh we've talked about target-based funds they've become popular over the years but a lot of people don't understand really how they work so tony how would you explain a target date fund at a very high level the idea is it's going to simplify asset allocation. You're going to put money in there and it's going to say whatever date that it thinks you're going to retire. And as you get closer and closer to that date, the allocation should be mirroring more and more when you're going to need your money and get a little bit more conservative, basically. And that's and that's the proper way to invest, right, is as you get closer to needing the cash, we'll call it retirement, it gets conservative, it gets Money goes into treasuries and money markets and everything like that, and it sells out of the riskier stuff or more volatile items such as stocks, right? So you're shifting. But what happened was um, Vanguard uh, just this week got fined about six million. Uh, Five and a half, I think. Yeah, six million bucks, right? Six million dollar fine to Massachusetts investors, investors because their target-based fund uh, triggered taxation. 
right? And the investors were not aware of it. So there were some changes within the target date fund. Uh, it triggered taxation due to liquidation because they had to sell stocks. And those gains then get passed to the existing shareholders, which triggered taxation. The, I guess, was it the SEC who... In this case, it was the state of Massachusetts, it looks like. Yeah, so, so it was only Massachusetts residents affected here. But yes, even the idea that they were doing a lot of trading here and perhaps for other reasons, who knows, here they settled. They didn't admit anything right. bad, but they're making up for it here with their investors. Yeah. But the idea is... I mean, they have, and part of the reason I, I'd say the idea, but to understand it more, you've really got to dive in on these target date funds. Understand I mean, how the, they work. The packaging is so nice. Yeah. It makes you feel so good. Target date 2050. Yep. I'm <laughs> done with my investing. Pick that date. I'm done. And for whatever reason, I think the way our brains work, the marketing of it, it just makes us a little bit more comfortable that we're not seeing the underlying investments. We see that target date. And it's a good way to think of investing because hopefully your retirement funds are building until you actually need them. But you also want to have your eyes on it to know, is it really investing the way I should be? Because it doesn't always mirror up. Correct. Right. So in conceptually, it's a great concept, a great idea, way to approach it. But you got to understand the underlying factors. Exactly. And there's a lot there. And this is one example. There's other fund companies possibly affected too. I think they said there's about four more investigations and all the big names that were running these target date funds. So perhaps Vanguard was just first in yelling uncle. Right. Right. And and there was one investor in the article, which was in the Wall Street Journal, uh, got hit with a $150,000 tax bill. Obviously a, a really large uh, position in the target date fund, but obviously a big surprise too when the 1099 showed up. One of those reasons we may not be as big of fans because you give up some control. For some, they're appropriate if you're not paying attention, kind of want to fire and forget it. But if you're someone who wants hands-on, there might be other ways to do this stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right, good. Uh, let's switch. Let's oh, switch yeah. topics. Go to, to today's primary topic, Social Security. Uh, when it comes to Social Security, Tony, uh, in recent reports, when we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago, uh, appears there's going to be a little bit of an increase for 2023. Stephen, I got to share this good news over lunch. I, I'll admit, I, I played a little hooky here before the show. I went to the diner and saw my grandma, and we had lunch together. And she asked, what are we talking about on the show today? Nice. She nice. got a sneak peek to here. Go, exactly. Nice. She was She was curious. And I mentioned she's going to get a nice little raise on her Social Security check. Yeah. She was very surprised by that. I mean, we're talking potentially an 8% plus increase, I think. I read one article. They said it could go as high as 11%. Right? Right. So they don't know, right? They being the Social Security Administration, they have a formula to figure it out uh, to keep up with inflation. So it's it's based on the full year, but uh, we should probably in the next few months we'll learn what it will be. But it could be could be significant. And remember, in 2022, it was a 5.9 percent boost, which was the biggest it had been in 40 years. So we're talking about potentially doubling that, which, again, if you're a retiree living off of this with what's been going on in inflation, that makes a lot of sense. But it's always trailing. Mm -hmm. You know, that 6% was making up for the year before. This percentage, whatever it'll be, is making up for this year. So if you're a retiree and you're thin here, you've really got to stretch it sometimes. And that's why these increases are so meaningful. It'll be a little bit of a relief then to get a, a nice increase for 2023. So... Uh, stay tuned. We'll certainly provide updates as the year progresses on that. Um, 
Tony, you found a really cool reference to Social Security and the history behind it. And it was in reference to, as I said earlier in the show, a a revolutionary figure in our country, Mr. Thomas Paine. Uncle Thomas, not related, not spelled the same. Not related, not related. (laughs) But I'll call him Uncle Thomas. Okay. Uh, What did you find about Thomas? Well, Thomas Paine, right? Common sense. That's what we all learned about in school. His uh, publication of Common Sense right around the Revolutionary War, which sort of some people think triggered it. Right. It was a message to the, uh, just, I guess, the citizens of the United States, right? The colonists. A, a lot said, of, time to revolt. A lot of the independent thought that we still look back and we're so proud of at the founding of this country, some of those ideas are rooted in Thomas Paine's Common Sense. Mm-hmm. And again, it was the people reading this, passing it along, getting these different documents, really thoughts. I mean, it, you might as well say it was the Twitter of the day, maybe, but they were around getting other ideas, spreading them, and some of them caught on, some of them didn't. His were pretty popular. Right. And one of them that's not talked about a lot is this paper, as I was looking at Social Security research, I found called Agrarian Justice. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I and, mean, this and, is... it, and it pertains to the French Revolutionary War, right? It was the French Revolution, not the U.S. Revolution. Well, at that point, it was going on. But again, he I think he was publishing for a few different markets, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> so he, right. he might have had the U.S. <laughs> the version, the French version. Right? Uh, he was a wise man. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, along those lines, though, the pamphlet was published in 1797. And this is, again, radical ideas. He's talking about funding a social insurance scheme that gives young people money when they get started and older people money when they retire. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty interesting back then for a founding father to bring up something like that. And he went through and backed it up with some ideas on property rights because some of this was going to be funded through an inheritance tax. Mm-hmm. And it was an inheritance tax on everybody. There wasn't a limit about this million before that. It was 10% across the board. So there was going to be real money paid for this. So not saying this may have been a great idea, but the idea around supporting elders and some of the social stuff has been around since the founding. And it's really in the 20s that it got adopted. And we see the Social Security program come into play later on after that. But it was interesting to see that. Very interesting. And in fact, like you said, it came out in 1797 um and it is a it's a socialist policy and again right how he had the the speculation on how it should be funded and he wanted to give 21 year olds 15 pounds sterling i don't mm-hmm. know if that was a good idea or not you know rum might well 21 year old back then is, is probably you're... equivalent to the 40 right today That's a good point, right? Stephen. we'll have to <laughs> come back were, to that you're a 12 year old you're an adult by then right so oh, that good man. times have changed a little bit so, I, again, very interesting, and I, I did not know about the agrarian justice uh, pamphlet by Mr. Uh, Thomas Paine. So, Pretty good education. Hopefully something was learned here. Well, we're coming up on another break, and we're going to dig into Social Security, how it pertains to your financial plan. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Mr. Tony Payne. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about John E. Sestina and Company and Managing to be Wealthy, you can look us up on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. Take a look, and maybe you'd uh, like to schedule a free consultation. You can do it right there on the web and schedule something. Uh, connect with us. All right, we're talking Social Security. Tony, when it comes to one's financial plan... How should they 
envision or look at Social Security? It depends. <laughs> right. Um, it depends on a few things. How old do you think you'll be? What's your earnings history while you are working? What are you entitled to? I mean, you factor a few of these things in on top of what's your tax rate? What state are you in? Because sometimes it's lost on people that Social Security does not just come back tax-free all the time here. There are certain circumstances where it could be taxed at the state level and at the federal level. So we want to be aware of that as we plan out how to how to think about this. Yeah. The, the biggest factor is out of our control, right? And you mentioned it is longevity. How long do we live? That's the biggest factor, and nobody really knows what that is um, because it comes down to – if you knew when, when your demise would happen, you could say, okay, here's the most optimum time to schedule when I start to collect my Social Security. And obviously, most of us, if not all of us, we don't know, right? So that's where the it depends comes through. Uh, some things I found very interesting on the Social Security statements itself, yeah. right? We've become paperless with the Social Security program. So I, I advise all the listeners and we tell all our clients, enroll, sign up, ssa.gov. Sign up to look at your record, look at your earnings history, review all the information. But on the statement themselves, Social Security, it says Social Security benefits are not intended to be your only source of retirement income. It's a pretty important statement. Really important statement. I mean, let's say that again. Social Security is not intended to be your only source of retirement income. You've got to say something yourself. You've got to have something. Yeah. And that's what's frightening is how much of society that is the only source of income. And you think about somebody who might be after their working years, and it goes back to what John taught us on why we are all investing, is one day we're going to lose our ability to produce income. And if you don't have anything saved, the Social Security benefit is the only source that you have. So that's the importance of investing is, is and not relying on Social Security. So enroll, sign up, look at your record. Uh, the other thing is what qualifies you for Social Security benefits, right? And most people don't really know how does this work. There's a lot that goes into it. And really the most important thing is, and it's hopefully obvious, declare your income. If you're getting paid under the table or you're not declaring all your income, you're not getting Social Security credits. That's a big deal later in life. You know, perhaps you're doing something out of the home or something like that. It hasn't been as formal of a job. There's sometimes benefits in going and, A, doing the right thing and declaring it, but, B, building your Social Security bucket up over time. Yeah, It's, and, it's really important. Yeah, and the qualification comes down to 10 years of work, which gives you quarterly credits so 10 years of work each oh, you quarter get in the nitty-gritty that's i like 40, it that's 40 credits so you have yep. to have uh, qu- qualify with 40 credits then you are qualified to receive the benefit the amount of the uh benefit is based on your highest 35 years of earnings and if you have fewer than 35 years of earnings uh it will count as zero and then a reduction occurs so you need 35 years they want you to work they want right? you to work right um, and that could affect early retirees. Right? So my goal to hit the Powerball, if I hit the Powerball, I probably don't need Social Security. But if I hit the Powerball and retire and no, have no more income, my Social Security benefit will be reduced. 
Yep. It's one of those things that you have to be aware of. And you said it at the beginning, Stephen, make sure you've logged into ssa.gov, that you know your username and password, that when things aren't r- rushing around and you're not needing it, you look at this stuff ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And you've got to verify that earnings history, because especially depending upon where you worked, if you worked for the state or if you worked for other organizations that maybe were related with the state, you may not see a benefit there. And there's a good reason why you might have another pension, but if you worked in two jobs at that time, you really have to pay attention. One of them may not have reported, Social Security may not have accounted for it. That's where we say pay attention. Yeah. And and the most confusing, I'd say the most, uh, going back to SSA.gov, oh, yeah. I tell people it's ass backwards. It is, though, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if you have to be ah, that out, but... <laughs> All right. <laughs> all right. But so SSA.gov, log in. But the one, the biggest confusion lies into the spousal benefit. So when you try to explain to someone, each household gets at least one and a half of the full benefit, meaning if one spouse n- doesn't work and the other spouse, or go back to the conventional uh, living arrangements in this mm-hmm. country, husband went to work, mom raised the kids, stayed at home, no job. Great. The husband would get one full benefit. The spouse, the wife, would get a half a benefit. So if it was $40,000 a year for the husband, the spouse, the wife, would get $20,000. So that's one and one half. If the husband died or either of them died, they would lose that half of a benefit. In this scenario, The if the husband died, the wife would receive $40,000 a year. So that it's hard to to comprehend, but the spousal benefit is an important feature because the spouse, whether they worked or not, get gets a benefit of Social Security. And that's where knowing your numbers and talking to people and going and doing a little research and maybe going into the Social Security office for you and your family is really important because none of this is automatic. I mean, you've got to be looking out for yourself here. And those points you just made, Stephen, I mean, they can be a little complex at times, but you just heard it. You might be entitled to one and a half benefit instead of one benefit. That's a big deal. Big deal. And when you receive it too, right? So you have to understand because even if the spouse uh, is older, you have to wait until the the full benefit reaches full retirement age or retirement age to collect that benefit. So there's a lot of complications, the if-thens. So that's why we want to stress, read up on it, look at your records. Uh, the other one is for divorcees or divorce pe- uh, couples. How does that apply? Well, there's a few things there. It really depends on, have you gotten remarried? What is the status of the prior spouse? Are they living or deceased? I mean, you've got to go through a couple different ifs and thens, but the idea is typically you can file on that ex-spouse's record depending upon what your benefit is. Right. And you um, had to be had to have been married at least 10 years. At least 10 years. Right. So if you've been married for 10 years, unfortunately get a divorce, you have the right to claim whatever benefits apply as the spousal benefit to the separated spouse, the divorced spouse. And we'll keep going here because it even gets more complicated if there's children involved or minor children. You know, whether it's a divorce scenario, there's someone with a disability or someone passed on. These are all examples where you really need to do the homework and get in with the Social Security people to find out what are you entitled to. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned with the children, even if uh, one of the parents die um, and they have a record, right, the the children do get, not the spouse, the surviving spouse, but the surviving children get a benefit as well. 
There's a lot going on here, and I know we're coming up against another break, but even the taxes are important. Knowing how you take your money out in retirement will drive how taxes are generated in retirement. Yeah, and I think we can dig into on that at the next uh, uh, segment. So, so again, the, the message is log in, set up your ID and password, um, and then make sure you check it every year. And I've, I've said this on the show, I've found errors where one year I submitted a, I filed the tax return and I went and looked at my record maybe in six months and it didn't show any earnings. Contact the accountant. Yep. He said, no, you're good. And I kept checking. Right. And it ends up they had an error with my tax filing oh my. and they had to get it corrected. But, it, but through checking my record, I discovered that the IRS was not properly allocating my taxes paid. Right. Imagine that later on. All good. So taking a break here, when you come back, we'll dig in a little further. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're dedicating it to Social Security. Part of the Social Security program, Tony, is Medicare. A lot of people get confused by that, and we we talk about we have talked about Medicare on prior shows, but uh, you had an interesting uh, uh, reference of Medicare premiums possibly going down next year. It's amazing to think about. I mean, is that we, possible? Right? I mean, we'll, we'll explain it. We'll see if the government gives us a little break or not. But the idea here is we know Medicare, the old age medical program, separate from the retirement program, but this is for 65-year-olds and up. Whether you're working or not, you need to enroll at least or delay your enrollment for a good reason. But once you get there, there's all these different parts, and they're not free. They're not all included, and it's not just from you working. So there's different parts here. And the Part B premium, that's part that covers some of the medicine, some of the other things that are going on here. That jumped almost 14% last year. Right. I mean, at the beginning of this year, 14%. We heard John talk about it a couple shows ago. I mean, it's a mammoth increase. I mean, at the lowest end of the income scale, it went from about 150 to 170 Right, and most people, most retirees pay their Medicare premiums. Medicare is health insurance for retirees, 65 and older. There you go. Most people pay their premiums through their Social Security check. So last year we reported what was the increase of Social Security, 5.6%. It was. Right? We said it was pretty large. We talked about it earlier segment. And now we had a 14.5% increase on Medicare. It's a big bite. Right. So, but you're saying it's possibly could be decreased next year. We could see some of these premiums decrease, perhaps. How? Right. Right. Well, (laughs) Part B, and this is where it gets a little confusing because we always think about D for drugs. D is the prescription drug part. But there's drugs that are issued in a doctor's office, and that falls under Part B. That falls under the part of what they do at doctors and hospitals and surgeries. Well, one of the biggest drugs, and we heard about it in the news a lot last year, this Adulam, I think, that's the name of it. It's an Alzheimer's drug. And when it first came out, it was going to be approved by Medicare, and it was $56,000 per dose. And Medicare's doing the math, trying for, to plan for, ahead. For a year's worth of doses. Cor- oh, yes, you're, yes. you're correct. Sorry, yeah, Steve. That's fine. That's good. But th- So to say that, though, 56000 perhaps for it's each. car person who needs that, <laughs> right. which they may need it, who knows. But as the year went on, 
there was a lot of debate about whether this drug was effective, whether this drug was needed. And lo and behold, due to a lack of demand, good old supply and demand metrics again, that drug went from $56,000 to 28000 almost a 50% price cut on this drug. And when you think about a program as big as, as, big as Medicare and how many of these doses Massive. they buy, I mean, they're projecting the savings, which they haven't said yet, could be around tw- 10 to $20 per Medicare recipient. Almost that whole increase. Just for that drug. Exactly. Wow. Just from that drug's price going down, That's part of this. And when we think about how many examples are there of that, it's really interesting of, well, how does Medicare spend money? And when you can see some of these things negotiated and transparency come out and not just big bureaucracy, you know, hopefully good things happen for the consumer. Yeah. That's that's very interesting. And maybe it does. And that would be obviously beneficial to the Medicare uh, premium payers, right, and the Medicare program itself. I mean, CMS, the big government group that manages all this, they were projecting they could have started to cut premiums halfway through this year. So, I mean, they're already starting to see some of these savings. So, uh, hopefully this is reality. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a good thing. All right, so let's let's backtrack here and go back to Social Security. So, we wanted to cover that Medicare. We thought that was an important topic. But going back to Social Security, most people don't understand how taxes for Social Security works. Are they taxable? It depends. Come on, Steve. You know my answer here. How much are we making? Are right. we married? Are we single? Right. There's brackets here, right? Yeah. So, so again, most people don't realize that the Social Security income can be taxable. Uh, it's based on your income earnings, right? So if your earnings, unfortunately, if all your income is Social Security income, that's it's zero tax, right? It'll, pro- it'll apply that you'll have no, no taxation on your uh, Social Security benefits. Let's hope that's not the case. Right. But where does other income happen with retirees? You might have a pension, depending on where you work. Mm-hmm. You might have money coming out of a 401k. You might have money coming out of various IRAs. You know, there's a difference in the traditional or the Roth there. Or you might even still have a business, and maybe you have business income or you own real estate. And there's a lot of sources that even as a retiree, you may not be showing up to work every day for a paycheck, but you're still going to have some taxable income in most cases. Right. And and what, what there's there's different brackets. Either 50% of your uh, – 0% of your benefit is taxed. 50% of your benefit is taxed or 85% of your benefit is taxed. So uh, if you had, uh, you know, other income, right? most likely it'll pop up to the 85% of your Social Security benefit being taxed on your tax return. When you think about it, too, the usually the older you are, if you have saved in other areas, those required minimum distributions are starting to kick in. So depending upon what you've saved in your IRA or 401k, that may be money that you might not even need right then, but it's coming out for tax reasons because of the way the required minimum distribution works. So almost the older you are, the more likely, if you had some assets, that you're going to pay up to 85% taxes on that Social Security you're receiving. Yeah. And and so you, from 67, which is most people's full retirement age, to 72, which begins the required minimum distribution, there's opportunity there for some savvy tax planning. The golden years. Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> exactly. And you could be in a situation where if you do it the right way and plan taxes, strategize taxes, 
you could minimize that taxation of the Social Security benefit. Most definitely. Right. And you've got to plan ahead for years in some cases to make up a year or two or five of income. So this is a thought out strategy that takes many years. Yeah. And again, it does. Hopefully, you know, I don't it's very rare that it does come into play. But I have seen it where even for one calendar year. Oh, I get so excited. It is exciting right? to just squeeze the taxes to as minimal as possible. All within the letter of the law. Right, right. And that's the way with good planning, knowing your numbers, having access to the documents and the data, and talking with your advisors, you can really build a strategic approach to this. Yeah. All right. So we got a couple minutes left here, Tony, and uh, yeah. I'm going to ask you another question. All right, go for so it. So the question, should I take Social Security at 62, 67, or 70? It depends. Right. All right. Let's but now, okay. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> What really, again, what is our health outlook? Mm -hmm. If we have already had some health issues, serious ones, and we think our longevity has been affected, that's really going to drive some of the calculation here. Because as much as we'd say, you know, I'm nervous about the government or them paying out, I would put those concerns more towards the back of the line here, and I would focus on what's my longevity? What am I going to get? How long am I going to get it for? And I, I usually say I, I usually steer towards the 67 or 66 in partial months whenever you hit that full retirement age. It's based on the year you were born. But the full retirement age is the key number where if you take the benefit prior to full retirement age, there's a penalty. Uh, so you receive less benefit. And by waiting, I always I do like to say the difference between full retirement age and waiting to age 70 is – you can't transfer wealth through Social Security. Once you're once you die, you lose that benefit. So if you have other assets, it might be better to take the Social Security income and let your portfolio or investment savings grow because you can pass that along. So that's usually a big factor in it. But there's so many variables. I uh, really don't know what you, everyone's in a different situation. So we just need to you need to strategize and, and play it out. So. Hopefully today's show was helpful for our listeners and obviously log into ssa.gov, check your social security record. We thank you all for tuning in. Tune in next week. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.